Welcome to Walking with God, Pat Berry and Jeff Quinto's podcast, where Pat and Jeff talk about their walk with Christ. My name is Jeff Quinto. And my name is Pat Berry. Every so often, Jeff and I get together and we talk about our walk with Jesus Christ, and we usually pick a topic and discuss it. This week, this is one that I really got excited about, but uh, I have to admit, Jeff, I, I have to kind of swallow hard once I started to investigate this a little bit. I understand. One of the things Christ commands us to do is love our enemies. Now, as Christians, we talk about it a lot, but do we really do it? Do we really understand it? I think a lot of us, including myself, has given it lip service because, oh yeah, it's always good to love your enemies, right? But Jesus really wants us to love our enemies. And once you start to understand that, that's where the hard swallowing comes in. Because it's easy to love your family and friends. Well, sometimes it's easy to love your family and friends. <laughs> <laughs> Not always, though, right? <laughs> right, which which brings me to love. Okay, Lord, you want me to love my enemies. Yeah, I can barely love my family sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> and the answer is, yes, he does. So what, is that, uh, what does that mean? What does it look like? Yeah, and what does it look like? We're told by Jesus in taking the words of Matthew, starting in the fifth chapter at the 38th verse. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So there we start this in the Sermon on the Mount, this talk about retribution. It's it's uh, outrageous, actually, to our th- way of thinking today, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, Jesus is saying that. He goes on to say, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of the Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sends rain to the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So there we're told amazingly in the New Testament. Now, we look at this and we think, oh, these are New Testament ideas. This is Jesus talking, changing the world. Well, it is Jesus talking, changing the world. It's Jesus talking and changing the culture. But he's repeating things that are ideas from the Old Testament. You see, we think of this as the Old Testament and the New Testament, the mean God and the gentle God. We, we take it as two different books, separated. And the fact is, it's one unified whole. It is one unified whole. And there we have it. Because in the Old Testament, we know from Proverbs 24, 17, and 18, do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased, and turn away his anger from him. Taking now Proverbs 25, if your enemy is hungry, Give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Isn't that, I love that image that that your 
feeding your enemy if he's hungry and if he's thirsty you're giving him a drink and that will that will keep burning coals on his head yes <laughs> that's a, that's a beautiful image we're doing it and we're doing it out of kindness and love but it uh, it has a, a a way of of heaping burning coals on his head and then proverbs 20 tells us do not say i will repay evil wait for the lord and he will deliver you so there we have old testament examples and what i think to be one of the most important old testament examples of this is leviticus 1918 Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, these ideas that Jesus is saying are in the Old Testament. He's bringing forth the law, the law that we ignore, the law that's inconvenient, yet it is there. Right. And, uh, you know, until this, until we really started digging into this, I didn't realize that either. Well, I thought, oh, it, it's it's different in the Old Testament. It really wasn't different in the Old Testament. It, it, was, it was the same. It was right there. It's just as you said, because of the hardness of our hearts, we didn't see it and we don't react to it that way. And we still aren't. We still aren't reacting to it that way. Absolutely, we're not. And uh, one of the things that is said in this is that, you know, everybody's nice to their family. The, in the first part of this lesson on retaliation from Matthew, you know, everybody's nice to their own kids. People talk about, well, I'm a good person because I take care of my family. Well, everyone takes care of their family. Everyone's kind to their family. Jesus is saying we have to go a step further, not a step further, a leap for, further in being kind to everyone, being kind to people that are unkind to us. So that means we're certainly, it's easy to be nice to people who love us. What about people who hate us? So we're, we're stretching this love all the way from people who love us, which is easy to do, to people who despise us, which is n- nearly impossible for us. It is impossible for us without Christ. It's impossible for us to do that. Absolutely. And when Jesus said, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, and they asked him, well, who is our neighbor? And basically he listed everyone, which would include our our enemies and our enemies also. Absolutely. So I guess who who is considered an enemy when you, you start to think about it? Okay, so Jesus told me I have to love my enemies. So who would be considered an enemy? And now Dietrich Bonhoeffer, has some great stuff that uh, that he wrote in um, Cost of Discipleship. And it, to him, his enemies, I'll, I'm going to read just what he thought uh, his enemies are. By our enemies, Jesus means those who are quite intractable and utterly unresponsive to our love, who forgive us nothing when we forgive them all, who requite our love with hatred and our service with derision. Wow. <laughs> and we're supposed to be nice and to them? Are exactly. you kidding me? Exactly. How are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to do that? He goes on to to say, and it's true, love asks nothing in return, but seeks those who need it. And who needs our love more than those who are consumed with hatred and utterly devoid of love? Within other words, deserves our love more than the enemy. Or who, who deserves our love more than the enemy? And where is love more glorified than when she dwells in the midst of her enemies. Wow. This wow. is getting, it's getting kind of deep. It's get, yeah. I mean, when you, when you think about it, it's, this is where I keep saying you have to, you have to kind of swallow hard because when Christ said, Hey, love your enemies, he really means love, love your enemies. And by enemies, it's people who despise us. And, you know, you might think, well, I don't have anyone that despises me. And you may not have anyone who despises you personally, but you may have someone who despises you simply because of the way you look. Maybe maybe you uh, they don't like the shirt you're wearing. They don't like the car you're driving. They just don't like the way you 
speak, whatever. They don't like where you come down politically. They don't like, uh, you know, uh, that uh, you eat meat or don't eat meat. I, let's think about the million ridiculous reasons that people despise one another and are turning on each other the way the way that we have. Now, all of a sudden, I think it who is our enemy? It, it becomes a little bit easier to say, uh, well, our enemy might be someone who we don't think of in a traditional sense. It's just, it's people who need the love of Jesus Christ, who really are uh, maybe adamantly opposed to things that, that we believe in. Yeah, and I think that's how we, we, we're going to bring people to Christ. Not, not everyone, but, you know, if someone's obnoxious to us and we, re, and we respond with love, that's going to have some effect. Now, it may not change everybody. It may not change everybody at the moment that it's done. But you know what? Instead of fighting back with, with when someone accosts you with, strong words or whatever, and, and you, you bring strong, strong words back upon them, that won't do anything. That's, that's adding violence to violence, really. But what if you instead yield and you apologize and you tell them that you love them, that God loves them, that you bless them? If you do those things, will that not have some sort of effect on some number of people? Now, I'm not suggesting that every time you tell somebody you love them who is, who is obviously giving you a hateful response, that, that they're going to fall on their knees and go, you know, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> um, that's not going to happen, but it's, that's not the way it's supposed to work. You, you give them a little tap on the shoulder by doing that, and you perhaps allow the Holy Spirit to come to that person's life, maybe now, maybe later. But that would be the response. Instead of being so clever with our retorts, we should just, just apologize and, and tell them that God loves them and that we love them. And then show it. Show it if it's possible in a way that's, that's, that's concrete and that, that is helpful. And, and show it in a way when, when you can't be rewarded, when there can be no, no return on the investment of kindness. That's when it's best given. Totally agree. I think it, it's, I understand also that it's difficult uh, at times to do that because I think it's, it's natural human inclination. If someone comes at you, you're going to come back at them. Absolutely. It's just, it, it, our, our defenses are up uh, and you're going to, you're going to give as, as good as you get. Um, so I'm not saying that this is an easy thing to do. Again, swallow hard um but you, if you are if you are the light if you're the light in the world and i understand not easy again totally understand not easy but who was it that uh, that said it was a great quote one man reads the bible and a hundred people read the man um you know i've also heard it said which i think thought was a great thing that that people argue for victory rather than truth uh jeff this world, it's, it's what we know, it's where we are right now, and it's easy to get caught up in, but we're just passing through. You know, if we're lucky, we're here 100 years compared to eternity and what's, what's waiting for us. This is this really, this, th th we shouldn't get all that upset. We know where we're going. So, hey, you know what? Let's try to be, be the light in the world, and if, if somebody is, is coming at us hard, um, maybe we, we step back, and, and as you said, we, we bless them, ask them, try to engage them in a conversation. There's some people that are going to come at us harder. It, don't be surprised if they come at you harder. But uh, there, there's going to be other people that, that you may be able to reach. And just because you don't reach them uh, that day, it doesn't mean that you, you aren't going to be able to at some point. Again, I understand where this is very difficult in, in many situations. And I'm not saying that I'm gonna, going to be perfect 
with this. But since I've I've started reading more on this and really started thinking about it, you know, this is what what God wants us to do. And how how are we supposed to engage our enemies? Bonhoeffer uh, covered that a little bit too. He wants us to to love them, bless those that persecute you, kind of what you were talking about mm-hmm. before. Do good to them that hate you. It goes back to Old Testament. You know, if you're if you feed if you if your uh, enemy is hungry and you give them food, you give them water. It, it's by leaping coals on on heaping coals on their head. It's it's difficult to hate somebody who's who's giving you a hand when they don't need to. Yeah, when there's nothing in it for them, it's right. not not always a transaction. That's what you know. Our our lives are are essentially a, a, a collection of transactions. We do something expecting some sort of a return, and to do something, as Jesus says, expecting no return, just loving someone, just to love them for no expectation of anything back, is a is a remarkable, powerful thing. And, you know, there's so often the, the stories of people. Uh, I have a, a friend of mine in India who was arrested for spreading the good news, and he was thrown in jail with f- five other guys, and he had, been, in, in short order, he had converted three of them and so <laughs> to Christianity. So they decided, well, we're going to put him in a different room because he is uh, he's too effective in his uh, proclamation, so we'll put him in with his, these other hardened criminals. And he put him in with these other hardened criminals, and sure enough, he converted some number of them. It can't be stopped. The loving them can't be stopped. This is all while this guy is in jail. I've got to believe that being in jail in rural India is not the most pleasant thing to be. And yet, it didn't stop him for an instant. He used that as an opportunity to spread the good news. And that's what we are meant to do, I believe. We're meant to spread the good news by the witness of our lives. You know, we live in this this ideal place. Anyone have ever asked the question, would you rather live in a different place or a different time? And the answer uniformly is no. I can't imagine another time I'd want to live in. I can't imagine another place. So there's not some great place waiting for us and we're in the bad place. We're actually in the the good place. So however we find difficulty being in this good place, we're meant to use that. We're meant to use this as a springboard to spread the gospel. We're in this easy place and we're doing nothing. That's not, that's not, that's not it. <laughs> that's not what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to spread the gospel by the, the witness of our lives. We don't have to, as I say again and again, we don't have to wrestle somebody to the sidewalk and demand that they accept Jesus. What we are meant to do is be a light in the world, to be this example. And the, the, the perfect example is one that's kind to people who can do nothing good for them, to be kind to their enemies, people who are actually trying to hurt them. To be kind to those people is, a, is the way that Jesus will come into the world in, an, in a way that people will understand it and believe it. Great points that you had about where we are in this time right now, and would you rather be somewhere else? Because we do live in a country and in a place where um, you know, we aren't persecuted, un- unlike other places that are persecuted. Uh, but even with, even with engaging people to do this, to do what Christ wants us to do, we cannot do this on our own. This is not human nature. So I, 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 did, I, I wanted to mention that because it isn't. It is not human nature to do this. Uh, it's human nature to to defend yourself, to come back at them, to to win the argument, to to do that because that that is human nature. So unless we've got the help of of Jesus Christ in our life, we're not going to be able to do this, or not going to be able to do it for for very long. So 
one of the the things that is really important in this, you need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We all need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to be able to do this because God will give us his eyes to see these people the way he sees them, not the way we see them. And th- that is, you are absolutely going to need that if if we're going to be successful in in carrying out this part of Scripture. Yeah. You know, going back to Bonhoeffer, both Pat and I have found uh, um, a lot of good in this cost of discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He, he tells us that Jesus, however, tells us that it is just because we live in the world and just because the world is evil. In other words, he's talking about confronting people with love as opposed to violence. And, and it, just because the world is evil that the precept of non-resistance must be put into practice. So it's because the world is evil. It's, it's not that we're assuming that the world is one great place, one good place. Quite the contrary. There is evil in the world. We are meant to, to absorb the evil, if you will. We're meant to absorb it by non-resistance, by instead reacting in love. And as Pat said a minute ago, it seems to me it's hard for us to see this, but we're going to live some number of years here, but we're going to spend eternity with the Lord. And if that is true, then everything we do here in this small amount of time should be in preparation for that spending eternity with the Lord and bringing other people along. Once again, if that is the truth, then that's what we should do. If it's not the truth, it doesn't make any difference, right? If we're right. going to just die and, and never be heard from or seen again, um, that's one thing. But what if, what if these things are true? What if there's an eternity waiting for us? And what if we can bring other people along? If we are believers in that, in that beautiful eternity, why wouldn't we want to bring other people along? Why would we want to, them to join us in this beautiful eternity? And, and if we're wrong, let's say we're wrong and there, there is no eternity, we just die. You know, we've lived a better life and we have helped other people live better lives. And so that to me is, is worth it alone. But, but I sincerely, I know that there is an eternity. I know that the Holy Spirit is in the world. I know that Jesus will be waiting for us at the end. And I know that our sins will be washed away by the blood of the Lamb. That is just the truth. And once you realize that, you realize, you know what? We're just here for this limited amount of time. We are meant to be a force for good in the world. Our churches are meant to be a force for good in the world. We're not meant to be so engaged with the culture that we're part of the culture. We're meant to be in the culture, but not of the culture. All of that is what we're meant to do. And it's not an easy thing, is it? No, it isn't. It absolutely is not. One thing that has has been helping me is uh, when in understanding how we can do this and why we need to, it's because God first forgave us. And really, we were, we are all, we are all God's enemies because we're all rebellious against God. It's just human nature. It's just a matter of how rebellious are you? Mm-hmm. A, a quote unquote, oh, I'm a quote unquote good person. Uh, I've got news for you. You're not because none <laughs> of us are. None of us are. And, and if left to our own devices, we are going to do very bad things. And all I have to do is point to history for examples to say, look, that's that's what human nature is. Jesus Christ is what makes the difference in the world for good. So we rely on him, on him to guide us in the fact that he has forgiven all of our sins, no matter how small, no matter how great, because it doesn't, sin is sin is sin to, to God. Now, don't misunderstand. There's a, there's a difference between stealing a pack of gum and killing someone. I understand that, but it's all imperfections in front of, of, in, at, at God's feet, and we've been forgiven all of that. If you accept this gift and you are forgiven, 
how can you deny someone else that same gift? Well said, Pat. That's exactly right. How can you deny someone else that same gift? You know, Pat and I started all with all this with a quote from C.S. Lewis, Christianity of false is of no importance, and if true, is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Pat and I know that this Christianity is in fact true, and because it is true, it is of infinite importance. It's the most important thing in our lives, and I pray that it become so for you if it is not that now. Because one thing it cannot be is moderately important. If it's true at all, it is infinitely important. If it's not true, it doesn't make any difference. But if it's true, it is infinitely important, and that is where we are with this. So now as we conclude, will you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for this teaching. We thank you for this idea that we were we are meant to to work towards. This is a difficult thing to love your enemies, to love your enemies. It's easy to love our friends and our family, but to love our enemies is hard, but we know that it's necessary. We also know that we are just sojourners here, Lord. We are just sojourners. Our citizenship, as Paul tells us, is in heaven, and we will we will end there and we will answer for what we have done in this world, and luckily Jesus will be there to stand up for us, to stand through us, to to wash our sin and to accept us as we accept his gift, this beautiful gift of eternal life. In Jesus' holy and mighty, mighty name, amen. Amen.